And now for another episode, Heard It Through the Rose Vine, with your host, the creator of Black Rose Writing, Raygun Brody. Greetings and salutations. This is Reagan Rohde, the host of Heard It Through the Rose Line, signing on for another episode. And yes, we are still here. It's been a while, but we're back. My co-host is marketing Jedi for Black Rose Writing, Christopher Miller. Uh, how's it going? And a happy new year. It's going great. We're back just like Star Wars. <laughs> Uh, I mean, we've been, uh, you know, we've been, there's been some good reasons. We've been, you know, we, we wanted to adjust the podcast a little bit, get a, you know, get a refresher. And then, um, you know, I've been busy, not just with Black Rose writing, but also, um, you know, having six plus months of fever and having open heart surgery to cap off 2020, um, you know, all, all fun things to, to do, uh, you know, during or, you know, not during a pandemic. Yeah, I mean, you know, that is a, a minor little thing, open heart surgery. I don't, you know, I guess you're going to bring it up again and again. Yeah. And now <laughs> we're getting close. I got a couple more weeks and then I'll, I'll, I'll you know, move it aside. It's kind of like when you have a, your birthday for like a month instead of one day. So I've got to, I've got to use that as long as I can, and then we'll we'll get rid of it. So, yeah, but, you've had more open heart surgeries than uh, anybody should have in one lifetime already. I don't envy that. No, yeah, I don't. I don't recommend it. It's not. It's not the most fun thing. <laughs> it's not like, hey, doc, you know what I'd really like to do? Let's open up my heart and have a little fun time in there. So I. I don't know about you, but I'm, you know, obviously we're still, you know, trying to be safe, but I'm, I'm ready to do some book events in 2021. I didn't know I would miss going to an actual book event and, you know, having like a, uh, you know, selling a book in person versus online. Um, I didn't know I'd miss it that bad, but I'm uh, definitely ready to do some, some 2021 book events. Hopefully we can get there at some stage this year. Yeah, there's something to be said. I mean, of course, that this year we've had the it's it's been the dawning of the uh, the online content and and the Zoom events and the uh, Facebook Live events, especially for authors. That seems to have been taking off. I mean, for obvious reason. But like I said, there's something to be said for just actually going to an event and meeting people and interacting face-to-face that that is certainly missed yeah i agree and and you know it also gives us a chance to you know meet some of our authors in person um you know be able to to hang out with them and and uh you know share that experience as well so so hopefully we'll get back there and that's you know i know that's one of the things we've got um you know on our 2021 you know hopefuls um, and then, of course, uh, just selling more books in general. And yeah, uh, I, go ahead. I don't know how else I'm going to get the fun interaction of like, I'm going to give Muriel Pritchett a nice little shout out here. But, you know, 
meeting her at uh, last year's AWP, I got the, hi, Christopher, you're not what I expected. Well, yeah, she didn't expect to be um, so much taller than you are. You know, she figured you might be taller than <laughs> whatever your height is. I'm not going to say it because I don't want to, I don't want to offend anyone. I'm sure. Height, so, yeah. So, but we've got, um, we wanted, I wanted to announce our first Kindle Paperwhite, uh, you know, Amazon Kindle Reader winner is Mary Ellen Costanza. And we've got a, a pretty brief survey running for uh, readers to be able to fill out the survey and then subscribe to the Rosevine uh, to get, you know, daily freebies, uh, keep in touch with their favorite authors, book discounts. And so if you find that survey, if you're a listener and you, uh, you can, you can look through, you know, our social media anywhere and uh, take that survey, it enters you with a chance to win a Kindle Paperwhite. And that, that's our first winner for January. And we're going to give out at least 12 of them this year. We might do more, but at least 12. Um, so that's pretty cool. And then we've got uh, Joe Seipel making his, uh, making his return to the podcast here in just a few minutes. And, you know, the, the most exciting news for, for our team is the final wish of Mr. Murray McBride which is the, the sequel um, to his best-selling Five Wishes of Mr. Murray McBride. And that's going to release uh, this month, on um, January 21st. And that will be, uh, it's a very highly anticipated release. And we've had some really good pre-order numbers. So, so that'll be uh, something that I think, you know, all readers need to check out both of those books. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the the final wish of mr murray mcbride that lots of people talking about it on social media we're promoting it i mean it's 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 a good it's a good book good follow-up to uh the five wishes so we're ready to push on forward with that one yeah in some you know in some not so exciting news um i just wanted to you know send my condolences again to Marilyn Black, one of our authors, uh, his name was John Black. He is the author of Walking with Tigers, which is a nonfiction sports bio of Joel Dahman, uh, who's on the PGA Tour, and he passed away in December. Um, so, you know, that's obviously a, a a big loss for for Black for the Black Rose Writing family of authors, and and something you know we we. We've dealt with before, but definitely don't ever want to have to deal with. So, yeah, certainly, and and an author that's had an impact on on the entire staff. I mean, because we we follow golf for the most part, and so now most of us follow uh, John Damon. So, I mean, it's uh, uh, a loss that is felt in different ways, and and certainly hope that uh, that his wife is doing well, and and as uh, as her and her family are grieving. For sure. So what else you got? You got anything else you want to add? I've got a, I've got a question to get to. Um, um, well, I, I've got the, what I've been reading or what I'm starting the year off reading. Um, getting back to, uh, I, so I read half a King in, I think it was early 2020 or 
maybe end of 2019 and I kind of stopped there. So I'm starting back up with half the world uh, so that I can continue my Joe Abercrombie adventure because that's certainly those are books that I'm certainly enjoying and I know you have as well. It's excellent. It's worth reading. And, and one of my favorite things that he does is that he changes your POV from book one to book two to book three. And he does it a lot. You know, he even does it a lot in, in, in all of his work. Um, but it's still the storyline still moving and you still get, um, you know, I, I think Father Yarby's the, you know, the main uh, main character and you're getting his POV mainly in book one. Well, you don't get his POV so much in book two, but you're getting other characters that are still, in, you know, revolving around his life. So you're still following him. Um, he's just now, you know, switched from from his POV to someone else's. And the, um, it gives you a chance to be a little more involved with different characters. And I think it helps keep it fresh. Um, but that's, yeah, Joe Abercrombie is a great series. Uh, I'm waiting for the third book. Uh, in the first law world, uh, which comes out at the end of this year. So that'll be another Joe Abercrombie book worth reading. And I'll probably read that yeah. within a week once I get it. So that's always fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I, you know what, I, I would be even more entrenched in this book if, uh, if I didn't have a nice little gift sent to me, that is the, uh, the Dune graphic novel. And, uh, so I've been kind of going through that as well. That's, uh, don't I don't really read graphic novels I, I haven't really done comic books since I was much younger so this is it's a nice uh, re-entry into that but it's pretty cool and very much appreciated it is it's it's kind of like a you know like a summary fast forward version of a novel except you get the you know the awesome imagery to you know to set the scenes and, and you know you're reading more dialogue and, and just a little bit of the you know setup so i yeah i like the graphic novels as a variation for sure especially i think it really works well in something where you you know you're already familiar with the world um you know it's not like this is your first introduction to dune um right it's kind of just a nice treat and i've been reading it um to my kids we uh we've been doing a little dune read time before bed and i'm reading the graphic novel out loud to them and so uh, trying not to give them nightmares uh with with the baron yeah. harkonnen and some of it but we my my uh, son walter is eagerly awaiting the sandworms that i told him about but i told him it's still a ways to go but he's ready for a sandworm so yeah that I, I remember back in the day uh just kind of learning about Dune and then seeing the the old movie uh, for the first time and the Baron just absolutely freaked me out. I'm pretty sure I had a nightmare or two about him. So that, that, right, what, that's creepy, but it also it's exciting because all of this is uh, coming to a head and that they're going to release a new movie on it too. So that, that actually looks really good and i think they might do a good job with it so that's that's exciting as well yeah i've got i think the new movie is going to be good especially since it's in two parts that's going to allow them to not you know rush the story right I yeah mean, be able to try to give a little more of the book insight to the politics of, of dune and everything yeah not rushing this is is a is a great idea 
I'm, I'm really happy with that. So I've got a I've got a podcast question. It's an older question from our author Kathy Nichols. So she's probably been waiting a while to have this one answered if we were going to answer it on air. But <laughs> it, it, it works for now. Um, Kathy wants you know basically her question was my release date is still six months away. You know when to put out teasers. That was her question. So uh, you know I, I think this is always important for any author. And when you're starting to promote your book and you're trying to figure out, you know, who to promote to and what stages um, by email, social media, everything. The first my first thing is if you're just sending out, you know, like if you're sending out a, you know, uh, like a one chapter or something for someone to beta read or like just to get some feelers on, you know, that's fine, you know, at any stage. But if you're you're you know, you're ever using the word buy my book or. Uh, you're trying to get someone to buy your book. You definitely don't want to start promoting from that standpoint until your book is available. Um, you know, typically, you know, at least available from pre-order from your publisher, and probably even better, if, you know, once it's available for pre-order from multiple markets such as Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Um, that way, you know, you don't ever want to lose a sale because someone couldn't find your book. Um, you don't want you know, you don't want someone to be like, oh, this sounds like a really great book. Where do I get it? And then the author responds with, well, it's not available yet, but it will be, you know, then then you kind of already lost a little bit there. So you don't want to you don't want to go too early on that end. Um, just kind of talking about your book, you know, talking about, you know, the excitement of it, and not necessarily ever pointing anyone or trying to sell the book is, is a way better approach. Uh, you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it, it go, comes down to the um, hey, you know, go get my book. And then if you don't even have it for pre-order, then, you know, it's just lost, lost time on your end promoting something that's not ready yet. And so then lost time for you and a lost sale because there's nowhere for them to go get it yet. So exactly what you said. And, um, and, it, and then if you do want to, you know, most important thing would be, you know, is your manuscript ready? Uh, when you're working with your publisher is the cover ready you know if the cover's ready and it's all approved and everything then i would certainly look into uh teasing piece by piece uh a cover reveal uh somebody who's done that uh very well recently uh was joanne easily or Isley. i'm gonna i'm gonna mess that up but uh she's she's done that well uh, with her new upcoming book. So uh, definitely you can check her out on social media and, and, and see what she's done because I, I think she did that very well. Our guest today is Joe Seipel. Joe is the author of The Five Wishes of Mr. Murray McBride, a number one bestseller in several countries and winner of multiple awards, including being named 2018 Book of the Year by the Maxi Awards, the sequel, titled The Final Wish of Mr. Murray McBride, releases on January 21st. He lives in Colorado with his wife and two daughters. Welcome to the show, Joe. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. So you are the groundbreaking uh, you know, first guest of the podcast last year. So I thought it would be fitting to, to have a repeat of performance. And we would start off uh, 2021 with, this, with the same guest. So that, that's exciting. Um, and, and I'm also excited to announce that uh, Charlie Fightmaster in the search for perfect harmony um, 
is is also going to release later in 2021. So that gives us, you know, that that good dual focus where we've, you know, we've been working so hard on the final wish and getting ready for its release on the 21st. Um, but it also, you know, there's always it's always nice to have something, you know, still uh, still in the horizon that, that you're trying to reach. So tell me, tell me how's life and, and writing. Uh, both are very good. I'm definitely one of the the lucky ones. Um, you know, I've got an amazing wife and two daughters that, uh, you know, I couldn't be more proud of or, or love more. So I'm super happy uh, personally. And then, you know, professionally with the, with the writing, it's, it's all, um, you know, I, it's tough to, to say whether it is something that I expected because for so long, my writing was, you know, nothing but failure and rejection, which I'm sure a lot of people can uh, commiserate with me about the first, you know, 12 years of, of writing was pretty much nothing but rejection slips. And, you know, really for good reason, as I look back on it, it was a time where I needed to, to grow as a writer, but there did come a point where, you know, my writing got to where I thought it was good enough. Um, but was still not having a whole lot of luck, the traditional route I did sign with an agent and come very close with, with those things. Um, but it wasn't until I, I found black Rose that, that I really, you know, kind of got vindicated and, and, was able to have the success that I, I felt like was possible after so long of building my, my writing craft. So now, you know, with five wishes still rolling along and doing great. And, uh, you know, so many experiences there that maybe we can chat about at some point, just the, the rewards of, of seeing uh, people's reactions to that book. Uh, and then right now with um, the final wish of Mr. Murray McBride about to release. And as you mentioned, the, the Charlie Fightmaster book, the search for perfect harmony, I've been really excited about that one for a long time. Um, for a long time, it was just missing some sort of element where it didn't quite have the the power and the punch I wanted it to have. And I think I finally figured that out. And as soon as that happened, I emailed you right away and said, hey, I think I'm ready. Let, let's get this one going, too. Uh, so it is exciting to have uh, two projects that um, I couldn't be more excited about that are in the works right now. And it should make the next you know, 8, 10, 12 months exciting as well. Yeah, isn't that crazy how you know, like you get stuck. I mean, obviously writer's block is a, is about as accurate as a term for, you know, for experiencing something as, as a, you know, as an author can have. And it's like, you just get stuck and you're, you know, you're like, okay, I, I've gotten this, you know, when you're writing, you, you know, I've gotten this done and I kind of, you know, I know my ending and I, I know this, but there's just a part right here that I need to progress the story or whatever. And it just doesn't work. And it's, you will, you know, you can, you can shelf it, whatever. And, and it's like months later, you know, whatever, all of a sudden, you know, something either you have an experience or, you know, maybe laying, laying in bed at night, um, just something. It's like the epiphany that just, it's like, I know what I can do. Like I can do this, like, or this works really well. And it's like, it clicks and then you start typing and, and there it goes. <laughs> it's a, uh, yeah. But it, but until you those those I think are I'm sorry those are the fun moments of writing I think and and that really goes to one of the big questions that so many writers have is should you force yourself to sit down and hit a certain word count or page count each day or do you wait for inspiration to strike and you know Abby, I think there's no black or white there I think that you do need to force yourself to write but at the same time personally my best writing comes. Uh, and there's no doubt about this for me when I'm inspired and when I'm excited. And sometimes 
like you said, it can be living your life and something comes up where I think your subconscious is always kind of working on the problem. And once it hits and once you realize where it needs to go or what the idea is, and you can actually sit down and, and uh, produce because you have this inspiration, that's when the real uh, joy of writing and the most productive writing on my part comes. So I, I would tend to say, um, without discouraging anybody from forcing themselves to write, because I think you'd have to do that sometimes, I would tend to say, uh, maybe you, you wait for the inspiration. Yeah. And, you know, you, you, in, in your case, I just pulled up, it, it kind of triggered. I pulled up the letter that I received that I forwarded to you, you know, that it was a, actually I received it in the mail and I, I think I scanned it and sent it to you. Um, but a, a reader letter, um, from Oregon and, you know, a fellow basically sent it to me in the mail, just talking about, directed to to you and it says you know hi joe i just finished your reading your masterpiece it was so heartwarming inspirational touching deeply moving you know when he goes on to talk about five wishes a little bit like for me um you know that would be if if i hadn't written anything in a week or so you know just getting something like that sometimes will make you like like oh man i need to go sit down and write something like wait what's better in terms of a muse than that Oh, exactly. And, and, you know, as we go on to Amazon or Goodreads and, and get into the thousands of, of reviews and, and ratings, and I think the most uh, rewarding thing that I've had is being able to see people that, you know, are, are in their later years and just very frankly say that they didn't really feel like they had much to contribute anymore in their life. And they read my book and it inspired them to, to want to do more of, of, reading most of their reviews, although now that it's getting to be, uh, you know, at a certain number and, and a certain rate, sometimes uh, it's, it's difficult to keep up, you know, if it's not all first page is full and I'm not sure how far back to go. Um, but I also found it, it can be a little bit of a double-edged sword because, you know, there is no book out there that every single person that reads it is going to absolutely love it. And so sometimes there will be low reviews and we've been very lucky so if you haven't read The Five Wishes or, or pre-ordered The Final Wish, you're missing out. Um, you aren't part of the club, that's for sure. But, but tell me a little bit about your latest book, uh, Charlie Fightmaster. Yeah, I'm super excited about that. It actually uh, you know, could be called my baseball novel, which I know you've got one of those out there. And, and it's fun to, to write about the things we know, of course. Uh, but since baseball was a big part of my life, uh, when I started writing, you know, which is almost 20 years ago now, I attempted what could have been called a, a baseball novel, but very early in my writing process. And one of the things that I really learned about it is you, you, you don't want to have a story, at least in my experience, that revolves too much around the, the actual baseball. I, I, in this one, baseball is just more of a backdrop. It's more of a way to bring out the characters in the story. And, um, that's the thing that I had to learn is, is writing and story is so much more about, uh, the characters and, and creating people that the reader is going to care about and want to know what happens and be invested in. Um, and in this one, I feel like I've really, uh, more or less got it where I, I want it to be. Uh, I can give you the quick two sentence rundown of, uh, what it's about. If you'd like to hear that. Certainly. So uh, Charlie Fightmaster is a, a character that gives up his 
major league dreams to uh, go back home to, to care for his young sister who's in need of a lot of help. Uh, when he gets back there, he joins the amateur town team that his dad coaches and kind of keeps his major league dreams alive for the future. While he's there, he meets an old baseball legend named Bud Crawford, who takes him under his wing and begins to teach him the three secrets to perfect harmony at the plate. And as Charlie's life starts to fall apart, he needs to learn to use these secrets to find perfect harmony, not only at the plate, but in the rest of his life as well. Did you? So my, my only thing in, in, from the, from a baseball experience standpoint is, did you, you know, did you, did you keep it? Did you try to keep it as authentic in baseball and like, you know, something that's realistic in baseball or was it like some just magical cure that, you know, that, that made him transform him into a better baseball player? Right, right. No, no, the, the baseball part's all very, very realistic. And, and also I think kind of what I was trying to get at before is, is it's not the, uh, the core of the story or the emphasis of the story. The emphasis of the story is really about uh, the relationship between Charlie and his younger sister and between uh, Charlie and this old uh, you know, baseball legend that's kind of the sage of the story. And so that just freed me up to make this more of um, a, a story as opposed to a baseball story. You know, I think that, that you can limit yourself as to the possibilities of where a story can go if it's about, you know, will he get to the major leagues or will they win, win the championship? That type of a thing can really limit where you can go with a story. And so once I realized that and wrote a story that happened to have baseball as a backdrop, uh, it, it really became a much more powerful yeah, story. That makes sense. So what has it been like, you know, to be an author during the, you know, the, the, the awful word, but obviously during the pandemic. Yeah, it's been more challenging for me, for sure. One of the, ways that I get that inspiration that I, I really seek out before I start writing is from other people. I'm very much an extrovert. And even though my writing routine is to sit in my dark basement with no interruptions, and that's where I'm more most productive, uh, I get to that point through a lot of spending time with, with people and friends. And I've got uh, a great writer's group here of, you know, a critique group of six people but then also in Northern Colorado, there's a group called Northern Colorado Writers that has you know, several hundred people and has a lot of things like, you know, uh, write-ins at a coffee shop or um, where we meet for coffee and just uh, have a topic that we discuss and ask each other questions and just talk writing things. And that always keeps me going. And of course, those things aren't happening now. So it's been difficult not to have that social structure that I was able to put in place for my writing support and to have to do it a little bit more on my own. Uh, but there's been some benefits to that too, because as I said, the way I produce the best is to sit in a dark basement in silence and write. And so I've been forced to do a little bit more of that and it has had its benefits as well. What makes 2021, you know, perfect for you? Like what, what's your, you know, if you can visualize a 2021, at least in terms of your, your author career, you know, what, what, what are we looking at? Well, I think there's so much possibility for 2021 and I, I, you know, go back and forth as to, you know, do, do you let yourself really hope for what could happen? Uh, or do you prepare your, yourself for the disappointment? There's always that uh, internal struggle going on, but the possibilities with, 
the five wishes of Mr. Murray McBride still going strong and showing no signs that I can see of, of really slowing up. And then the final wish of Mr. Murray McBride, which I also feel very proud of. And I think that a lot of the people that enjoyed the first one will, will get a lot out of the second one as well. And then of course, with uh, the search for perfect harmony coming out in the summer, it really feels like we've got a snowball going that uh, can gain a lot of momentum and I don't know exactly what that is going to look like or what the possibilities actually are, but I do know that I'm in a better spot right now to be successful uh, than I've ever been before. And uh, as I've alluded to a few times, it, it's been a very long road to get here, uh, but I, I'm really hopeful that 2021 is is going to be kind of a, a breakout year. Yeah, I agree. And, and obviously we're, we're rooting for that as well. Um, I think one of the, one of our, leading up to the January 21st release date, you know, you know, you and I've obviously had conversations on, you know, we, we know the Kindle pre-orders for the final wish and we can see those numbers and we can see some things, but we don't get the, the print pre-orders um, until it, it's usually anywhere from about three to seven days before a book's release date. Um, that'll update uh, through Ingram and, and through our tracking so that's kind of like a like you're just you know you're sitting there waiting on this. It's like you know it's like a, it's like taking a test and looking to see whether you passed or not. Or you know you're waiting <laughs> waiting on the results like anxiously like come on we want that number to be really big. Let's go let's go. <laughs> yeah, I also uh, got a, an email from a reader the other day that um, said you know something about five five wishes and and said uh, and I'm going to order the final wish the day it comes out or something like that. And that actually kind of hit home for me because I don't think I've ever actually pre-ordered a book myself. <laughs> so I think there's also a lot of people that, that maybe won't pre-order or haven't pre-ordered, uh, but are going to jump on it as soon as they can when it is officially released. Right. It's, it's um, you know, we, we track that date all the time where you'll have a book, you know, for pre-order that doesn't have any pre-orders, you know, whether, you know, for whatever reason, just doesn't have hardly any, maybe one or two pre-orders. And then usually, Within one or two days of the release, that number will, you know, jump up dramatically, or it'll start selling copies on the day of release. And, it, and so, uh-huh. so a lot of people do like to wait. Um, I, I don't know why, but yeah, I'm a pre-order person on my Kindle. I usually pre-order as soon as something, you know, becomes available. But also, when it's, you know, if you're dealing with print and stuff, you know, I think it's people are different too. You want to, they like to order it the day it comes out, and then they know. You know, like, okay, it's coming and like I've ordered it now, it will be printed and shipped to me versus I've ordered it and now I have to wait a long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just difference in preference. I suppose if you pre order, you don't have to worry about forgetting about it, but I, I just didn't know. Yeah. That. So, do, do you have any specific tips for authors that you feel more confident in, you know, things you more you feel more confident in doing or better at now than you were before the five wishes released? Yeah, you know, like I said, it's been a super long process. And the benefit of that is that I've been able to learn a lot as I've gone along about what works and and what doesn't. And I certainly don't claim to have all the answers. But I do think that a lot of times people with some productive answers don't always uh, give them. And I guess I'm, I'm thinking about how I've been to various writers conferences and taken courses. And I go to the the course and the person that's teaching the course, you know, I'll look up afterwards and, you know, they haven't sold nearly as many books as mine or their reviews aren't nearly as high and yet they're the one teaching and I'm the one 
learning, which is completely appropriate. Everybody has something to teach and everybody has something right. to learn. But my point being that some people are more comfortable, you know, giving the advice than others. And I, I don't typically uh, fall in the category of the one giving advice. But the one thing that, that I think is maybe the, the biggest thing I learned that I do think is important for most, if not all writers, is to not write for an audience, to not be thinking about the reader as you're writing, which may sound counterintuitive and there may be a lot of people that disagree. But in my experience, the best writing that I've ever done has been when I'm writing either just for myself or for someone that's important to me, kind of with them in mind. And I'm just focusing on writing the best story I can. I find myself writing with more confidence that way, which definitely comes out in the writing. And I think that when authors spend too much energy trying to write for the reader and, and try to anticipate what the reader is going to want and then deliver that, I just think that it has a negative effect on the writing. And the more an author is able to let themselves be free and just write the story that's inside them, uh, that has a huge impact on their writing. So if, if I could give one piece of advice about what made a huge difference for me, it was writing from an authentic place, a genuine place that, that wasn't about trying to uh, consider the reader at that, at that point. Yeah, I, I agree. I know, I know a lot of, you know, there's a lot of marketing and, you know, a lot of indie authors courses and advice that says, you know, you need to, you need to identify your target audience, um, you know, and, and like, or who you're marketing to and then write towards that. But it's, you know, that to me means that you're trying to force something Whereas, um, you know, again, the, one of the best uh, kind of pieces of advice or whatever you want to call it, you know, sayings is like for books, it's obviously extremely competitive. And there's a lot of businesses that are competitive on Amazon and elsewhere, but there's always room for great content. And that's that's kind of how I feel about writing is you don't necessarily need to know your target audience um, yeah, it probably helps from a business standpoint, but if you write something that's really, really good and, and you know, it's, and it's, uh, obviously the reviews show that for five wishes, I mean, you're getting, you know, you're not, you don't have eight people that, that, you know, you're getting a pool of eight people to, and you're, you know, to de determine how good it is, you know, we've got over 2000 reviews. And so if that many people, you know, are liking it more than not liking it, um, then, then it's good content and, you know, it, it doesn't, you know, we'll, we'll find an audience for it. I think that's how it works. Yeah. You know, I think that's exactly what I was going to say too, is it's not that finding the target audience is wrong by no means. It's just that I think that it's placed too early in the process sometimes where first thing you have to do as a writer is write the very best story you can write that, you know, if you do, then people will connect to it. Um, but when I was writing The Five Wishes, I didn't think, okay, I'm going to write this and maybe it's going to be a little bit of an older demographic and maybe it's going to skew female. And, and you know, I, I just wrote the story that I wanted to write. And then we found that target audience afterwards. Um, and I think that any story that's really uh, well, well done and well written, which is a phrase that, you know, I don't know exactly what that means. I feel like as long as you're getting the reader invested and and have a good story to tell that that's good writing. But as long as you do that, there are going to be a lot of people that want to read that. Uh, so yes, find the target audience, but 
but find it maybe after the writing process is done. In, in my opinion, again, I certainly don't have all the answers, but that's certainly what I found to be most effective for me. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, again, it's, you can give all the, you know, all the advice, all the advice in the world and it's, it's going to be, you know, usually the best is, is what works best for the author in terms of, you know, what, exactly. what's comfortable for them. And then, you know, again, and it, it, it comes down to content, you know, it, it, you can have the best marketing plan, you know, the best cover, the best, everything, uh, you know, great synopsis, um, you know, all this marketing and, and if the book is just no good, then, uh, then yeah, you did everything right, but the, the product isn't good. And that's going to reflect long-term, you know, you're not, you might have a, you, you know, you're not going to get the read through and you're not going to get the word of mouth. You know, someone's not going to read it. You know, people that read half of it aren't going to go tell their friends, like pick up this great book uh, or talk about it in book clubs. So that's um, at the end of the day, you know, you've got to have a good, a good story in there and then, you know, deliver that. And then the target audience and everything will come. Exactly. It's almost, it's almost reversed in that, you know, the, the promotions and all the things that, like you said, the, the, the cover and, and get the ads out there, get in people's hands. That's the beginning because if that's what you have, but then the story is no good and, and it doesn't, it's not going to take off from there, then you're not going to have much. So that as much as it feels like that's, in the end i've written this great story and now we've got it out there now you know i'm done uh but that's where the story has to do the work and that's where the work that you've put on put in on the front end to write an amazing story now comes and, and bears fruit but like you said if it's not there uh then you're, you're missing the very first most important piece of the puzzle is to have the story that people are going to like so much that they feel compelled to tell their friends about and feel compelled to write a review about and uh, without that, then it doesn't matter what else you have. Like you said, you can do everything else perfectly and it's not going to lead anywhere. No. And switching gears on you, what are uh, what are you currently reading? I know last time uh, when we talked, you told me you aren't uh, as big a reader as the typical stereotype author. Um, so, I, so we'll see if you're reading something right now. Yeah, and actually, I, 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 that was uh, how I used to be before I started writing. But once I started writing, I actually started reading quite a bit. And these days, I definitely read uh, a lot. I, I typically uh, have a three-book rotation on uh, my bedstand and, and uh, read throughout the day some, too, sometimes. One uh, novel, one nonfiction, and then one writing craft book. So uh, right now, the novel I'm reading, actually, um, I've been reading a lot of things that are kind of similar and in the same genres as what I write. Um, but this one's different. I'm reading Name of the Wind, um, which is like a fantasy yeah, series that's really well done. Yeah. Yes, you, exactly. So you started really Name that. on the Wind. That's So that's book one. I don't exactly. want to disappoint and you, just... um, but he's got the, the curse of the same as George R. R. Martin. You're going to read Name of the Wind, and I hope you find it as brilliant as I did. And then you're going to read book two, and it, it's better. And then book three now is like 10-plus years in the waiting. So, <laughs> Yeah, my wife warned me of this when she when she handed it to me. She's like, this is great. You have to read it, but just so you know, and then say the, the same thing you did. So that's all right. I, uh, I'll deal with that when I get to that point. They're very long books. Um, but that's my fiction book that I'm, I'm almost done with that first one now. Um, Nonfiction, I'm, I'm just reading a biography of Lou Gehrig, 
And then uh, for my craft book that I'm reading right now, uh, I'm reading uh, Writing 21st Century Fiction by Donald Moss, um, which is really good. And and, um, especially uh, recently at the point I've been at with writing The Search for Perfect Harmony, um, it's a great book to use for uh, revisions and just enhancing what you have. Yeah, maybe you'll be like the really lucky reader that, you know, you find this series that's obviously been around for quite a, quite some time and you're introduced to it. Like, I'm going to finally read that. Maybe you'll be the one that you read Name of the Wind um, and then you read book two. And by the time you finish those, all of a sudden they'll be like, oh, you know, book three is done and there's a release date. It'll be yay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll time it just yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, jump in just right. Why everyone else has been waiting ten years? You you've got like a four month wait. <laughs> yeah, I'll cross uh, my fingers. All right, now for our short story section with Joe Sipo. Are you you, know, you ready for the rapid fire questions again? Let's favorite it. movie based on a book. Oh, um. Gosh, I know least favorite movie based on a book right away. Favorite movie. Um, I'm going to go with uh, The Natural. What? What is your least favorite? I want to. <laughs> <laughs> so my, my very favorite book of all time, and this has been true for about a decade now, is called The Death and Life of Charlie okay, St. Yeah, Cloud. You and they made a movie <laughs> with Zac Efron called Charlie St. Cloud. And it's terrible. I think it would have been good if I hadn't loved the book so much. But yeah, you get torn between if you can, you know, if you haven't read the book, obviously it might be a good movie. But when you read books, you have to, there's a fine line between, you know, I think you either the, the director either has to go completely away from the book and do their own thing where it's not even really related to the book. Or they've got to follow the book almost perfectly. When you get in that little gray area, they get really bad. Like, why did you yeah. change something that doesn't need to be changed? Exactly. And you, when you have a book that you love and you care so much about the characters and the storyline, and then you see it changed. And like you said, not just completely, but they, they're almost sticking to it. And then there's this thing that's drastically different and that, yeah, that one, that one was hard. But at the same time, I, I have watched it multiple times now, hoping that it, <laughs> it'll get better for me. Favorite baseball player? Uh, Kirby Puckett. Oh, uh, yeah. Born and raised in Minnesota in the 87 and 91 championship teams. So assuming we can go any, yeah. any oh, era, yeah. I'm yeah. going Kirby Pocket. <laughs> Favorite quarantine activity? Oh, wow. Um, you know, it's a little, I'd say playing ping pong yeah, with my daughter. I, I figured you'd go that route. That's it. You know, I'm thinking the same lines. <laughs> uh, to celebrate your book's release, what do you eat? What what would what is your preferred meal to celebrate a book release? So I, I have done this just once, but I really liked it. Uh, went to Applebee's, um, which my my wife. What, is what, yeah, fan. no, I'm I'm so, with your wife on this one. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's more for me. Uh, my my daughters always give me a hard time because I'm a very nostalgic person and uh, I've got some nostalgia going on with with Applebee's from from back in the day and and various uh, you know celebrations that that happened there when I was younger so yeah even though uh, it may not be uh, the menu that I would prefer but the the ambiance there's something about it uh, that yeah. I don't know why but it made me think of so I grew up you know in a, in a small town and we didn't have when I grew up we didn't have really any fast food you know there was no there was no food after 
9 p.m. or 10 p.m. Like that was it. You're done. And so, you know, as, as I, you know, as you get older and you're able to drive and stuff, you know, we would, we would drive to San Antonio and it was almost like a treat. Like you'd get super pumped to get Jack in the box because that was like one of the closest places, <laughs> you know, 24 hours and you didn't have any fast food. And then obviously in college, you know, it, it becomes a staple probably for most college kids, but, but yeah. I remember, like you said, the nostalgia factor kicks in and it was probably like 10 years ago or so. And you're, you're like, man, one of those days where you just, you're not worried about calories, whatever. It's like, I'm just gonna, I just want like the double bacon cheeseburger from Jack in the Box. Like, because I mean, I remember, I, I mean, that has to be great. I ate at least a thousand of them probably in college. And then you get it and you're like halfway through it. You're like, this, like, I'm going to die today. Like, this is not, it's like, this is not what my memory, my memory is incorrect. Like no more. never again. Exactly. I have the same experiences actually at, at Applebee's, but, but it, feels celebratory and <laughs> that it's it's uh you know that's what i'm looking for is is what if you get a book release it's got to be something out of the ordinary and and so that's what I'm with. all right so same line celebrate your books release do you have a special drink anything you like to drink to celebrate uh we did uh crack a bottle of champagne on when uh the five wishes of mr murray mcbride was released we haven't done that since i guess we've just had other you know, I'm, I I don't know if there's anything that's taken its place, but since that was my debut, I think too it, it had a, a a very special factor. Uh, but maybe I should go back to it. It seems to have been yeah, good. yeah, for sure. Right, what is your least favorite genre? Oh man, that's that's hard for me. It, it's so much about the character and the stories that the genre is less important to me. Um, but I, I guess I would have to say. Um, you know, science fiction or fantasy that gets so far into the world building that it gets away from the story. So there are some sci-fi and fantasy I absolutely love, uh, but the books that I tend not to to like very much uh, are are sci-fi or fantasy that that just spends so much time on the world building that I feel like it gets away from the story it's being told. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm. I think you know a lot of it's easier to to like. You know, something like Star Wars, um, where it's not, you know, what I, I would, you know, it's more like soap opera, sci-fi and like, you know, easy sci-fi, you know, not the hard sci-fi. Um, it has to be really well done, in my opinion. I mean, and, it, you know, yeah. I appreciate it because it's, you know, they're trying to be accurate to science and data and stuff where Star Wars, you know, you can't, they just turn their spaceships around and stuff that. Like none of it is scientifically yeah. possible. Um, whereas I don't know if you've ever uh, read or, or seen The Expanse, which is on Amazon Prime, and it's the author's James A. Corey. Um, but no. it's, it's it's really good if you have Amazon Prime and you, you like sci-fi. It's hard sci-fi, so they're trying to, you know, it's got the futuristic element, you know, post, you know, where Mart, you know living in the, the space is, is available to earth and Mars and everything, but they also do a really good job in the book and in the series with keeping, trying to keep a lot of the science, um, you know, really, really tight, like how, how spaceships and missiles and all that stuff would fly and do stuff. So it's not, you know, everything's not as convenient um, as like star Wars would be. <laughs> yeah. A little harder to write. I've also heard that called real science fiction. I think the Martian was kind of on the front yeah, of that yeah, where it was sure. really true to the science.
Yeah. yeah, you definitely have to 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 hit the right target audience. You definitely have to do your research. Or you'll probably get uh, you know you'll get grilled. Yeah, exactly. All right, last question. Favorite animal? Oh, I I've got about the greatest dog in the world, and I've always been a big fan of my my dogs. I've only had one at a time, but yeah, I love dogs, and specifically, uh, Scout is my 125 pound Mastiff Rottweiler Ooh. mix. That's just she's super sweet. <laughs> That's a big dog. Yeah, we've yeah, she's a big girl. We, we've got a, a pretty big boy that when we uh, we got his name's Summer, and he was supposed to be half like half healer um and then like a half um staffordshire which is kind of like a boxer bigger dog but you know we so we're thinking you know oh this we have healers and so we're like but he'll be you know might be just a little bigger but he'll be like a healer and he turned into the full-on like i mean he is an absolute monster and and so <laughs> we love him now but at first you're like he would every it seemed like you know when you get him as a puppy it's like every week he would be twice the size and you're like oh my god this is gonna be you could see his feet you know you look at their feet their paws and it's like his paws are so big like this dog is gonna grow forever and it's so uh yeah with, with scout uh who incidentally is named after the character in to kill a mockingbird um she because she's a mastiff rottweiler she looks like the big boxy head looks a little scary so we all you like to put a little pink bandana on her when we take her around the neighborhood so people know that she's friendly yeah for sure <laughs> yeah the size can be daunting um exactly then i'm i'm all wraps I, anything that you'd like to, to plug or add um that would be you know you're welcome to you know just uh for for i know a lot of writers listen to podcasts like this and and i think that anytime i have a chance to address writers i i always like to you know just give that plug for persistence um you know i've alluded a couple times to how long the road has been for me and to see it pay off and and you know finally really turn into something that uh, i can claim myself now as a as a writer and as an author and and uh it doesn't happen overnight, even when it looks like it might have happened overnight. So uh, to all the writers out there, I, I just say, you know, keep plugging away, um, perfect your craft to the best of your ability uh, and then make your move. But but don't don't quit. Another great interview with Joe Seipel. We've got a lot of great guests coming up. Marketing gurus, more Black Rose writing authors. So stay tuned. Keep on listening.